Jesus offered one sacrifice for sins and took his seat forever at the right hand of God. Now he waits until his enemies are placed beneath his feet. By one offering, he has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. In these first moments of our meditation this afternoon, we want to acknowledge being in God's presence, Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist, a wonderful blessing God is with us, and to invite him by making a spiritual communion into our hearts. St. John writes at the beginning of his gospel, In the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and God was the Word. He was with God from the beginning. All things were made through him, and without him nothing came to be that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness, and the darkness will not overcome it. It is good to realize that God is the center of our life. It should be obvious to you, to me, but oftentimes we think about ourselves so much throughout the day. We have to be corrected through hearing the gospel, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that our heart is set on God and to contemplate him day and night. At the beginning of any retreat, we want to first contemplate how we stand before God. We stand before God as beloved, as sinners. Pope Francis, when he was asked to describe himself, said that I am a sinner. We say the same, but we are beloved. Pope Francis said in his Jubilee letter on the year of mercy, Jesus Christ is the face of the Father's mercy. These words might well sum up the mystery of the Christian faith. Mercy becomes living and visible in Jesus of Nazareth, reaching its culmination in him. So in that sense of being drawn to the Father through the mercy of Jesus, we're going to make a contemplation today, this afternoon, about how we stand before God and how we are drawn to him. By contemplating, first, the Our Father, we realize our heart, as Jeremiah says, the human heart is so mysterious, who can understand it? Isn't that we even have ourselves figured out, and we're a mystery to ourselves? I remember some years ago, I think it was 2004, when Father Hathaway was the pastor, I came back after having a dinner with some parishioners, I remember knocking on the door, it was around 6 o'clock, and I was invited at 6, and there was commotion behind the door, and I knew what was happening, as uh, the mother was not expecting me to show up on time. So what did she do? She's running down the hallway, shutting all the doors on the messy rooms. And that's understandable, because the hostess wants to make uh, the room, the house, presentable for Father which is good until I come in and then the children take me on a tour of all the rooms. <laughs> I went back and I told Father Hathaway and he said, you need to learn what it means to be fashionably late. 
What do you mean by that? He said, well, go at 6.15. So me being more Germanic, I would drive up at 6 and then wait in my car till 6.15. <laughs> but that's understandable. We want to shut the doors or whatever we want to do to make ourselves presentable. But interestingly, in our own hearts, I think we do the same thing. Even in our prayer, there may be some doors that we keep shut to the Lord and the doorknobs on the inside. And the Lord, as he says in Revelation, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens the door to me and invites me in, I'll have supper with him. So we want the grace of the Holy Spirit in this afternoon that we can open our doors of our heart. If there's any way that we have not allowed the Lord into us, because he wants to come in and sort out our mess. He wants to heal us. He wants to forgive our sins. Because we're very blind to ourselves in many ways, because if we're focused on darkness in ourselves, we'll end up shoveling out darkness out of our heart. So when you look at the Our Father, this is the most beautiful prayer the Lord taught us. And it trains us, it forms us how to think about God and how to pray to God. There are seven petitions, as we know. We start out with the Our Father, which is the acclamation, the adoration. And then we start the first three deal with God and his kingdom. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. The first three deal with God. God is the center. He's the first thought in our mind, the first love in our heart. And then the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, refers to everything that we need day to day, but principally, as the Catechism teaches, it's the Holy Eucharist, the Lord Jesus who stands before us. And then the final three, forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Sin, temptation, and evil. Those are the things that we deal with daily. Perhaps we came into the church with some of those things on our mind. And that's important that we be very aware that that's what we're doing in this life. We're in the valley of tears. But you see, our Lord is very wise, because if we would start contemplating in our prayer, sin, temptation, and evil, or the evil one principally, Satan, we'd never get out of there. We'd stay there. Rather, we say, our Father, we ask that the Father of lights fill us with light, and then we can go down the mountain, as it were, the mountain of transfiguration, down through the Eucharist. The Eucharist is the connection between heaven and earth. And then we can have strength to deal head on head with the darkness. That's very important, because if we do... Well, St. Francis of Sales says, says this about looking at ourselves. He says, we must hate our faults, but with a tranquil and quiet hate, not with an angry and restless hate. And so we must have patience when we see them and draw from them a profit of a holy abasement of ourselves. Without this, my child, your imperfections, which is scrutinized so subtly, will trouble you by getting still more subtle, and by means of this sustain themselves, as there is nothing that more preserves our weeds than disquietude and eagerness in removing them. So even looking at ourselves is a very delicate thing. It has to be done in the perspective 
of God's love and light for us. And that's where we need the help of the Blessed Virgin who does things all so sweetly. Pope Benedict said this, very profound words about fear that runs through the human heart. He said this at a Christmas Mass in 2011. The reading at the dawn Mass goes on to say, The kindness and love of God our Savior for mankind were revealed. For the people of pre-Christian times, whose response to the terrors and contradictions of the world was to fear that God himself might not be good either, that he too might well be cruel and arbitrary, this was a real epiphany. The great light that has appeared to us, God is pure goodness. Today, too, people who are no longer able to recognize God through faith are asking whether the ultimate power that underpins and sustains the world is truly good, or whether evil is just as powerful and primordial as the good and the beautiful which we encounter in everyday moments of our world. The kindness and love of God our Savior for mankind were revealed. This is the new consoling certainty that is granted to us at Christmas. God is good. Very simple, very profound, and it brings up our heart because the love has to undergird our life. We have to be dependent upon God. The word dependent for you Latin scholars comes from two words, de pendere. De from, pendere means to hang. So to hang from. So you remember monkeys in a barrel as kids? You take one of those monkeys, say, put it on a twig, and then the rest of the monkeys you can hang. There's a total dependency upon something that's supporting them. So we ourselves right are hanging upon God, as it were, his goodness, his love. And what a beautiful image, Jesus Christ hanging on the cross for us. Relying upon the Father's love in a sacred so we keep that deep within our heart, and we ask for that grace during this retreat, that we know that God is good, and despite our sins, our imperfections, that we want to love ourselves in the way that God loves us, not of a selfish self-love, but a proper esteem of self as an image of God, who's secure in who we are. We're based on our knowledge of God's love for us, because without that, we easily go into despair in that awful thing called self-hatred. So the grace I wish to petition for you to ask the Lord during this retreat is a good examination of conscience, to invite the Holy Spirit to bring his light into the dark areas of your heart, any darkness that is causing you unhappiness. And once we are aware of any darkness, we say, Thank you, God, for I've discovered this. I now invite you in deeper in my heart. We open those doors. And this discovery of our sins and weakness actually should bring us joy because now we have something to give to the Lord Jesus. Because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save it. Here's the particular grace. We ask the Holy Trinity and the Blessed Virgin Mary for the grace to be able to feel any inner sorrow and to know any lies or attitudes of heart and mind that prevent me from receiving and staying in God's infinite love for me. I'll say that again. We ask the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, with the help of the Blessed Virgin Mary, for the grace to be able to feel any inner, inner sorrow 
and to know any lies or attitudes of heart and mind that prevents me from receiving and staying with God's infant love for me, for staying at home in the Father's house and not to go far as his prodigal children, and to give thanks to God when we see that. There's so many things we have to deal with day to day, and particularly in our culture, that is so sad. I, I am not, I don't have my boots on the ground, I don't do regular parish work, I get out every once in a while, because my whole life is involved with seminarians, so I learn a lot about the world through them. They come in, we have great conversations, and one thing that's very clear to me is the deep sadness that our culture has sadness with all the wealth and opportunities. There's a word for this in Catholic theological spiritual life. It's called the capital sin of achadia or sloth. There are seven capital sins, and it's certainly a level playing field in many ways. But it seems like the sadness of sloth has a certain predominance today. What is it? Sloth or achadia is the sadness that we have in view of the eternal life, the gift that God is presenting to us. But because of the sacrifices that are demanded, the person becomes sad. They don't want to pay the price. The sadness is actually contrary to charity. There are two forms of dealing with the sadness. The popular understanding, it's very true, is laziness, just laying around the house, the couch potato, and that can cause depression. I remember Father Groeschel saying, of blessed memory, Father Groeschel, that the wealthy or those who are well off have time, have a higher incident of sadness and depression because they can afford to lay around the house. Whereas the poor have to get up every morning at the same time to get to work. And that's a built-in aid to getting out of our doldrums by just having too much time and not using it well. The Netflix, the constant looking at the smartphone, all the different types of distraction that should fill feel the heart but do not. However, there's a second form of sadness, a reaction is sad to sloth, that may escape our attention. And this is even more prevalent today. It's overactivity, hyperactivity. We define ourselves as being busy, how are you doing? Oh, very busy, too busy. And that may be true. But we don't want to see ourselves as that as something that gives us our self-worth of being always overextended. Because even this can be a fear of intimacy with God. And that's a very particular subtle temptation in the spiritual life is to have a fear of intimacy with God. Do we fear silence? How much of the silence do we actually embrace when it comes our way? Or were you too quick to turn on a television or make a conversation? Every day, brothers and sisters, one half hour of silence. We can all do it. Whether it's early in the morning, maybe for mothers and fathers, it could be 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there when everybody's asleep. But we want to have 15 minutes, 20, work to half an hour. We must live within ourselves in inward solitude and fulfill the words of St. John the Baptist, he must increase, I must decrease. And in the words of St. Paul, your life is hidden with Christ and God in prayer. And then we are ready for the day. 
And we're able to see beyond just what the senses tell us. You know, there's three levels of beauty that the philosophers have told us about and many of the mystics. There's the physical beauty, which very much today in today's world is given the highest value. And then there's intellectual beauty, the beautiful mind, uh, the genius, the things that we learn in our studies. And that's even more excellent. And then the third level is the spiritual beauty, the beauty of the soul, the soul in the state of grace. St. Catherine of Siena once had a vision. She had a vision of a soul in the state of grace. That is the grace that we receive through baptism. And the person she was looking at was not a great saint. I think she went to Mass every Sunday and worked perhaps menial jobs throughout the week. But she stayed in God's love and grace. And Catherine later said, If I did not know that there was only one God through my faith, I would have thought there were many gods, because I thought I was looking on another god. So beautiful was that soul in the state of grace. How resplendent, how beautiful. No wonder the angels, our holy angels, are so attracted to us. Do you know our guardian angel right now is so enthralled with what we're doing here by listening to God's word and adoring him? The way that moths fly around a light at night, you know how they gather? That's the way the holy angels and the saints are gathered around us during the day because they see the Holy Trinity within us. That opens a whole different perspective in our spiritual life. That God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit lives within us. Soon we'll have uh, St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta with great rejoicing. She'll be canonized in September. But there's also another blessed she will be canonized sometime soon. Her name is Blessed Elizabeth of the Holy Trinity. She was considered a spiritual sister of St. Therese of Lisieux. Her teaching for us, and I think she'll be also named a doctor of the church, is about the beautiful dwelling of God within our souls. And here's what she writes. It seems to me that this is the secret of holiness and how simple it is. We bear life within us, and our life is an anticipated heaven. I have found my heaven on earth, for heaven is, is God, and God is within my soul. I have found my heaven on earth, for heaven is where God is, and God lives within my soul. Beautiful. Another time, writing to her married sister, she wrote, This heaven is in the inmost center of the soul. Is it not this simple and consoling thought? In the midst of your cares as a mother and housewife, you can always withdraw into the solitude. When you are distracted by your many duties, you can, if you will, refresh yourself by descending into the depth where your divine guest has his dwelling. That's a gift we also ask today, the knowledge of how God is with us in his grace. God once said to St. Teresa of Avila, I would cry the whole world just to hear you. You love. How particular is God's love for us? I would create the whole world again for you just to hear you say that you love me. And this has caused the, the springboard for so many saints. Mother Angelica of Blessed Memory was once giving one of her Bible lessons, and there was a man who was struggling in a very a promiscuous lifestyle. And he turned on the TV and was actually making fun of her at the time because she had just recovered from her stroke and she had an eye patch and she had kind of a, a stutter. And he was converted on the spot by these words. Mother Angelica said, God cares for you. 
He watches your every move. There's no one that loves you that can do that. We ask the Lord for that sense of God's love for us. And this is the way that any darkness is beginning to lift from our hearts. We allow the, the light to shine into us. And the more we receive that love and faith and hope, the more that dark cloud starts to come. And it's a process that God is very patient with us. Here's something um, that was really important to me. I had a conversion in 10th grade. I was living a very odd life through elementary, middle school. And 10th grade, Father Perry Dodds in Twin Falls, Idaho, gave a class in education. And he talked about heaven, he talked about hell. And he, that really, the Holy Spirit was really moving with my heart. And someone asked him, what would happen if you're a teenager and you're not living in God's grace and you got in a fatal accident? And he said, I'll tell you next week. And I remember being at the, the edge of my chair saying, no, tell me now. And I had a whole week to think about that. I remember going to the county fair with my friend Tim, and he says, what's bothering you, Gary? He said, I just can't get those words out of my heart to what Father Dad said. Well, I was able to find out more about God's love for me. And even to the last moment, he's always knocking on the doors. Even those who die instantly, he's knocking on the door of their heart. If but we would open to them. But it's through St. Faustina and her devotion, the divine mercy, that really started to open my heart more to the beautiful love of God for me. And perhaps you have right now some memories of where that's become really real for you. Remember a story of Monsignor Esef, he was a former uh, spiritual father of mine. Uh, he um, knew a man in Philadelphia whose name was John. And John was involved in prison ministry. John's son went to Miami for the spring break. And tragically, he was killed in a robbery. When father saw Monsignor, he cried, I hate this person. Look what he did. And John was a team member of a Curcio in prison ministry. Two years later, Monsignor sent to John a book called The Wounded Healer with a note that said, those who have wounds healed then have a great power to healing others. And he concluded, if you forgive, you'll have the great power to heal. So John, after some time, decided to go back to prison ministry. He went down with the team to Florida. And the man that killed John's son was present in the Crescia retreat. John and Monsignor Esif was at the table for a group discussion. And a prisoner came up to describe the story of his killing of John's son without knowing that John was, was, was present in the group. And the prisoner said, I know that God forgives me, but I'd like to have forgiveness of his parents, to hear them say it to me. John stood up and said, you killed my boy, and I forgive you. The two embraced and wept. At that moment, Monsignor Esif understood the sacrament of penance. It was the father who forgives us because we killed his son through our sins. The master forgave the servant his debt. And we pray near our Father, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So that love of God, through by sending his son to die for our sins, and we have fallen short, 
through our own free will. We have placed obstacles in the way. And we must always consider every day as our last, every moment as our last. I was in my home parish in Twin Falls, Idaho, and I saw a man, he's probably in his 70s, and I said, okay, George, I have to go back to Denver. I'll see you at Christmas. And he said, Father, at my age, I don't even buy green bananas. <laughs> that always stayed with me. He was living in the moment. And so even though we may have a confidence that we may wake up in the morning, we want to give a heart so over in love to God and to realize that he is certainly madly in love with us and that, as I said this morning, he cannot bear to part from us. And so we're not afraid, as St. John Paul II said to us, be not afraid. One of the ways in which we can grow in the, for this grace of today is to think about how much we are indeed loved and accepted by God. I'm going to read to you one of my favorite, it's my favorite passage from Pope Benedict. And it's about the sense in which we come to our sense of being loved by looking at God. And he's talking about where does the joy from world youth they come? How can it be explained? Certainly there are many factors. But Pope Benedict goes on to say, In my view, the crucial one is this certainty. Based on faith, I am wanted. I have a task in history. I am accepted. I am loved. Joseph Pieper, in his book on love, has shown that man can only accept himself as if, he, if he is accepted by another. He needs the other's presence saying to him, with more than words, it is good that you exist. Only from the you can the I come into itself. Only if it is accepted can it accept itself. Those who are unloved cannot even love themselves. The sense of being accepted comes in the first instance from other human beings. But all human acceptance is fragile. So Pope Benedict Emeritus is saying, yes, perhaps some of us growing up did not have that love that we should have had from parents, from father figures, mothers. But even those of us did receive that. We know there's limits to that love. As much as our parents and those around us would love us, we know that even human acceptance has a fragility to it. And it goes on to say, ultimately, we need a sense of being accepted unconditionally. Only if God accepts me, and if I come convinced of this, do I, know, do I know definitively, it is good that I exist, it is good to be a human being. If ever man's sense of being accepted and loved by God is lost, then there is no longer any answer to the question whether to be a human being is good at all. Doubt concerning human existence becomes more and more insurmountable. When doubt over God becomes prevalent, then doubt over humanity follows inevitably. We see today how widely this doubt is spreading. We see it in the joylessness, in the inner sadness that can be read on so many human faces today. Only faith gives me the conviction it is good that I exist. It is good to be a human being, even in hard times. Faith makes one happy from deep within. The words of Pope Benedict that resound in our heart. The sadness that we find. And if there's any sadness in our heart, we want to bring that to our Lord today. And to let that light shine within us. And not to be afraid. The retreat today, and that extends tomorrow, is really to be reconnected, re, 
reconnect our love for God and to realize that he is our thirst and our desire, even when it's difficult to believe, even when it's difficult to hope, even when it may be very difficult to love. But he does that in and through us. There will be confessions uh, following this evening prayer, a beautiful time on which one can open one's heart to receive more and more love of Jesus Christ, who pours the gift of the Holy Spirit sent by the Father into our hearts. And we want to have that assurance, no matter what happens to us, that God is with us when we call him and open our hearts to him. And if we do sin, and we do sin, the just man falls seven times a day, we're able to look again to Jesus and say, thank you, Lord, this is the way I am when I turn my face from you. Tomorrow at Mass, I'm going to talk about the effect of this knowing that we're loved and accepted. Now, I use the image of dancing. That's the best I can come up with now. Uh, the sense of unbounded joy in which David danced before the ark. St. John the Baptist danced in his mother's womb before Jesus and Mary. And even the way that our Lord Jesus Christ, in the depths of his passion, had this outpouring of joy in the depths of pain before the Father. It was not an emotional joy, but it was a deep spiritual joy that we find through the cross of Jesus Christ. So we ask the Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts today and in these coming days. And ask the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of Faith, Hope and Love, to shelter us under her maternal mantle. I wish to leave you with a prayer that's found in the Catechism, written by St. Nicholas of Fluli, the co-patron of Switzerland. My Lord and my God, take from me everything that distances me from you. My Lord and my God, give me everything that brings me closer to you. My Lord and my God, detach me from myself to give my all to you. Amen.